Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. These programs are based on the ministry of Witness Lee and his 21-year-long crowning work, The Life Study of the Bible. We'll include excerpts from his spoken ministry, which focuses on the enjoyment of Christ as the divine life as revealed in the Bible. We hope that through these studies, you'll be brought into a deeper enjoyment of the scriptures and of our dear and precious Lord Jesus. You can contact us by sending email to radio at lsm.org or reach us toll-free, 888-LIFE-STUDY. Now, let's join today's program. On the day of Pentecost, the first gospel message was preached by a New Testament apostle. Peter, standing with the eleven, unveiled a clear and prevailing word that brought thousands to Christ on that monumental day. The content of Peter's message remains powerful even today and presents us an example of gospel preaching worth our full examination. We continue that examination today on this life study of the Bible with Witness Lee. Witness Lee was captured by the Lord Jesus as a young man of 19 in his native country of China. He consecrated his life to preach the gospel, and he labored side by side with Watchman Nee for parts of three decades before bringing this ministry to the West in 1962. The Life Study of the Bible is a significant contribution to the heritage of Bible exposition, and we're delighted to be able to bring you short portions of his spoken ministry today, along with our own comments. And here to help us with this conversation once again is Ron Kangas. Ron, really glad to have you here today as we continue to delve into the riches of the book of Acts. I always enjoy participating with you in this matter, Chris. Ron, through our first nine or ten programs, I think this is proving to be a different book of Acts than most of us have been acquainted with before. In our last program, we saw this marvelous gospel message as Peter gave it on that day. The Peter that we see on that day was quite a different fellow, Ron, from the one that we saw in the Gospels, wasn't he? Uh, He was different, but so were all the other apostles. You compare. Shortly before the Lord went to the cross, these dear men were still arguing, who's the greatest? Who's first? Peter is full of self-confidence saying that. He'll go to prison with the Lord. If necessary, he'll die for the Lord. And the others said the same thing. Well, the Lord had told them, according to Luke, he told all of them, Satan has requested you to sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith would not fail. And Peter, when you have turned again, strengthened the brothers. What happened was... While the Lord was tried, crucified, the disciples had a total, absolute failure, denying him, running away, protecting themselves, saving themselves. They all failed. In this way, they were all broken. They were all humbled. They became sifted like the fine flour used in the meal offering. So when we come to Acts chapter 1, they can be in one accord. They have received the Spirit, mentioned in John twenty twenty two into them, and this Spirit was their oneness. They applied this Spirit to their whole being, mind, emotion, and will, and heart. 
to be of one accord. So there is no more rivalry, no more pride, no more comparison with others. You see, in chapter 1, Peter is functioning in a normal way. Now in chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, after they had been baptized in the Holy Spirit, Peter gave this initial glorious gospel message. But Luke tells us, Peter standing with the eleven. According to the record in the Gospel of Luke, Peter always just stood with Peter, setting himself apart from the others. They will all forsake you. I will not forsake you. Now Peter has been humbled. He has been broken. Same with all the other apostles. So Peter knew in his spirit he has a portion to use the key of the kingdom to announce the gospel there in Jerusalem. But he also had a deep realization that he couldn't do this apart from the body of Christ, his fellow members, the other apostles. He stood with the eleven. And we may also reasonably and rightly infer that the eleven all realized this was Peter's function. They were not envious. They were not trying to be the one to speak. They were all in one accord, in one spirit, caring now in the oneness of the body to fulfill God's purpose. So in addition to the content of the gospel message, we should appreciate Peter and the eleven. They have been broken. They have been sifted. They have been humbled. Now they're blended as one. They're like the fine flour in the meal offering. The oil of the Spirit has come upon them. They are one corporate person. And this is the secret to the power of Peter's gospel preaching in Acts chapter 2. We covered the first portion of Peter's speaking today, and we saw a couple of things that I think bear review before we go on today. Could you say a little bit about the prophecy from Joel that is referred to in chapter 2 and the wonderful verse 21 unveiling this practice of calling on the name of the Lord? Well, consider the event that led to this kind of speaking. They were baptized with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came upon them from the ascended Christ. And they spoke in dialects, and the listeners could recognize the language that was their own native language. So this is surely a marvelous event that you have these 120 filled with the Spirit, clothed with the Spirit, speaking languages unknown to them, and people are wondering how to explain it. So some thought, well, they're, they're just drunk. This is the human mind trying to offer pathetically some kind of understanding. It's here that Peter links their experience to the prophecy in Joel concerning the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and people being saved by calling on the name of the Lord. So he says, in effect, this, what you're seeing happening now, is that which was prophesied by Joel. Of course, 
The full fulfillment of Joel's prophecy will be in the future, but you have in principle a fulfillment there on Pentecost. And so you have the outpouring of the Spirit on all flesh, linked with the marvelous practice, beginning from early in Genesis, of calling on the name of the Lord. So Peter, presenting a marvelous gospel message, made the appropriation of the message so simple. You repent, you believe, and you call on the name of the Lord, the crucified, resurrected, exalted, ascended, enthroned Lord Jesus. Whoever calls on his name will be saved. It's a marvelous practice. We would refer many people to that life study uh, in addition to the one we have today. In fact, all of these messages related to Peter speaking in Acts chapter 2 are just marvelous. Let's go ahead and get to Witness Lee for today's portion. Peter spoke Jesus in the way by witnessing of the man Jesus in his word, death, resurrection, and ascension. Number one, his word, what Jesus did, was God's demonstration of him. Whatever Jesus did was a kind of demonstration by God. God demonstrated Jesus while Christ was living and ministering. I said, whatever he did, that was a kind of exhibition to exhibit himself to the people. You read the record of four Gospels, you could see every page was what? Was a show. Some show was going on there to exhibit a person to you. And this wonderful person was just the God-man. Don't you believe that all the four Gospels just play a show to you, exhibiting this God-man? And he was fully tested, and he was fully proved. Eventually, he was fully approved. And this demonstration came out a kind of approval by God. Peter's thought was that this Jesus was a person fully tested, proved, and approved by God. Number two, his death was according to God's determined counsel and foreknowledge. Of X would all agree that the determined counsel refers to something eternity as a kind of counsel held by the divine trinity. The divine trinity held a counsel to make a counsel. And this counsel was determined in that counsel by the Trinity of the Godhead, that the second of the Trinity had to come to be a man and to be killed on the cross. So the crucifixion was 
uh, can determine made by the Trinity in that eternal council. So it was also according to the foreknowledge of the triune God. It was altogether not an accident, but something transpired according to an eternal determination. Number three, his resurrection was God's approval of him to be the Messiah. You could see his resurrection was God's approval. To tell people that this resurrected Christ is the real Messiah, anointed and appointed by God to carry out God's eternal commission. Number four, his ascension was God's exaltation of him, making him both Lord and Christ, of which God's pouring out of the Holy Spirit is a proof. The pouring out of the Holy Spirit was a strong proof that God has exalted Christ and made him the Lord and Peter's solid word in Acts 2.22, verses 36, contains clear references to the four matters concerning Christ. His work, his death, his resurrection, and his ascension. Why were these necessary elements for him to establish in this first New Testament gospel message? Well, this is the heart of the gospel message. We can refer to Paul's expression in Romans, the gospel concerning God's Son. The gospel, an official proclamation from God to the entire human race, is focused on the person of his Son and on the work of his Son. This is our message. So, Peter could say that This was not an accident that Christ was crucified. This was according to the eternal counsel and foreknowledge of God. God sent his Son by incarnation to live the life of a God-man, a life without sin, a life in the reality of the kingdom, and then to die a vicarious death for our redemption. Then God proving that he had accepted his vicarious death, raised him from the dead, and exalted him to his right hand. Consider what Peter is telling some of the very ones who were involved in, or at least present, when the Lord was crucified. This Jesus, who was here in Jerusalem, whom you crucified, God has raised him from the dead. He has been exalted to be the Lord, to be the Christ. He is at the right hand of God. This Jesus has ascended. He is the Lord of all. There's no need to speak anything other than this. This is the essence, the person of Christ, the Son of God, the Son of Man, the Redeemer, the Savior, the Resurrected One, the Exalted Lord, the Enthroned Christ, the Lord of all. He is the Gospel. 
Peter proclaimed him as the gospel, the Spirit blessed and honored this proclaiming, and 3,000 were saved. It really is not the gospel one thing and the book of Acts another thing. You really have to have the book of Acts to complete the gospel, don't you? To complete the gospel, yes, according to the New Testament's revelation regarding the gospel. If we think the gospel is a simplistic word concerning Christ dying for our sins, that we would go to heaven, those who have this thought miss the whole point. But if we realize what we have in the gospel is first the bringing forth of Christ in his incarnation, his human living, his crucifixion, his resurrection, then his ascension. When Christ ascended, he entered into another stage of his ministry. On the cross, he could say, it is finished, because he finished his earthly ministry by dying for us. Now, having ascended, he is carrying out his heavenly ministry to fulfill his great prophecy of building the church. So in his resurrection, he brought forth the believers, according to 1 Peter 1, three, in regeneration. He established the church. So now in Acts, you have the body of Christ corresponding to Christ as the head revealed at the end of Luke and the beginning of Acts. Therefore, we need Luke and Acts together to have a complete picture concerning Christ, the Lord, the head, and the church as his body. The complete gospel of God, as summarized in the book of Romans, for instance, concerns Christ for the church, Christ with the church, Christ and the church, Christ living in and moving through the church. This is Luke and Acts, the complete gospel of God. Ron, we want to go back and pick up Witness Lee now as he continues with Peter's message. I'd like to read a few verses first, though, to help kind of lay a foundation for what we're going to see next. And uh, I'm now in chapter 2 of Acts, verse 37. And when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart, and they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, what should we do, brothers? And Peter said to them, repent And each one of you be baptized upon the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For to you is the promise, and to your children, and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words he solemnly testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this crooked generation. Those then who received his word were baptized. And there were added on that day about 3,000 souls. Here's Witness Lee. Now, we come to Peter's instruction and entreating. Peter instructed and entreated the Spirit moved ones to do the following things. To repent and be baptized upon the name of Jesus Christ to repent and be baptized upon the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins that they may receive the gift 
of the Holy Spirit. This gift of the Holy Spirit is just the Holy Spirit himself as a gift. And this Holy Spirit as a gift is what the bountiful blessing of God's gospel to be saved from their crooked generation. Peter didn't say, be saved from hell. Be saved from God's judgment. Be saved from God's condemnation. He didn't say this, but he said, be saved from the crooked generation. And the crooked generation, no doubt, refers to the Jewish society. At that time, the Jewish society became a crooked people, a crooked generation. Peter, he told the people, don't go further to follow the Jewish trend. Don't go further to follow the Jewish generation. It is crooked in the eyes of God. You must turn away. You must be saved. B is active. Saved is passive. And this is the so-called active-passive voice. God is willing to save you. God is prepared to save you. But you have to be willing. You have to be saved. In other words, God is ready. Now it's your turn to take initiation. About 3,000 souls received Peter's word and were baptized. Very good. One day, 3,000. How about that? But you know what? I don't think there were too many. <laughs> With that kind of power, full of authority, tens of thousands there. Only 3,000 saved. So many came back to the Jewish nation to celebrate that feast of harvest. They came, a great number of saved, yet, you have to say, comparatively speaking, that number was not that great. See, out of 20,000, only 3,000 saved, still the number is not great. This shows the stubbornness of the crooked generation. So Peter told the people, you have to save yourself. Be saved from the crooked generation. Ron, as in any good gospel message, Peter's word in Acts 2 first touched and even pricked the conscience and the heart of the hearers. Then he called them to action, to repent and be saved. It's somewhat curious that he did not exhort them to be saved from their sins here or from eternal perdition, but to be saved from this crooked generation. There's more than one aspect of salvation. Of course, the most precious part is our eternal salvation based upon the forgiveness of sins and our being born of God to have eternal life. But God has a purpose to be carried out now on earth, in space and in time. And for this, we need another aspect of salvation, and that's to be saved from the crooked and perverted 
generation of which we had been a part. And in Acts, that included, and actually it specifically emphasized, not just the pagan culture, but everything related to the Jewish religion and what it had become. And the goal, the practical goal of that word is that these believers would be baptized and be added to the church and meet as the church. The point I would stress here is, if we are to be one with the Lord, for him to build up his church now on the earth and have it expressed as he ordained as local churches, we need not only eternal salvation, we need to be saved from the crooked, perverted, perverse, evil generation of which we are a part, because that generation is what is versus the church life. We need a powerful salvation to deliver us from that generation and bring us into the church life as described wonderfully in the book of Acts. Well, the Lord has reached our hearts, and we are delighted that we're able to bring you this program with this ministry, whether it's into your home or your car or however you're listening. We really have been appreciative for the fellowship and the ministry that we've received in this life study of Acts so far, and we have much more of it to come. And we're looking forward to your return very soon, Ron, to be part of another program. I'd be quite eager to participate. I enjoy entering into the spirit, the burden, and the content of this ministry on the book of Acts. Thank you very much for joining us today. Let me point out that we have a printed life study message that corresponds with our broadcast today. Of course, it goes into much more detail, and we have packaged that, bound it really, in a volume of the Life Studies of Acts, the first 18. If you'd like to give us a call at our toll-free number, we'll let you know how you can receive that. And our toll-free number is one eight 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 life study That's 543-3788. And our mailing address is Living Stream Ministry. Post Office Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814. Let me give you also our email address. That's radio at lsm.org. For Ron Kangas, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you for listening today. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee spent seven decades in the 20th century speaking Christ, first in Asia and then North America, eventually all over the world. The culmination of those 70 years of ministry was his Life Study of the Bible, an exhaustive exposition of the entire scriptures. This unique commentary focuses on how Christ can be life to man in an experiential and practical way. These programs encapsulate Witnessly speaking in just 26 minutes. But to get the complete riches, visit lifestudy.com. From there you can read all of the Life Study messages in their entirety or download any of our more than 1,700 audio programs at no cost. Again, that website is lifestudy.com. Thanks for listening.